Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here and of UTHDynasty.com. We are going to do a 2022 rookie mock draft. And this is really the culmination of two months, two plus months of going back all the way to 2013. And we didn't redraft, but what we did is discuss those historical rookie drafts for and rookie classes for data points, for trends for takeaways for lessons learned of what worked and what did not and here we are in 2022 or a little more than two weeks away from those great nights on thursday friday and then all day saturday priority free agency and the start the full-on start of rookie draft season for the masses so here we are and katie and i are going to go head to head here we're gonna go three rounds i think this is probably some sort of uth record we usually do two rounds but here we go 36 picks. We're going to have some brief commentary and talking through the class. And of course, things can change. We've got data points to be had with the NFL draft and those live UTH shows. If you're not a part of a of the subscriber base, I would encourage you. Uh, you're going to get four plus hours uh, of us talking through the draft as it happens on Thursday and Friday night. So a fun, fun time that uh, is, is really one of the, the pinnacle moments of us all getting together and hanging out because uh, you know it doesn't happen all too regularly. But here we are, uh, Katie. We're going to go head to head. It's been a little while. Um, I think we did one earlier. I think we did one, you know, future cast months and months uh, ago as well. So here we are. Uh, you were so nice and so courteous to give me the 101 here. Um, so I will kick it off. But reminder for folks that it's super flex. We've got some tight end premium at 1.5 PPR. So we're going to mix in those elements as well as we go through as talking points. So I'll kick it off here. Uh, 101. And I'm going to go with, in my opinion, the, the safest profile on the board here. Um, and that's Brees Hall. Uh, this is not an Ezekiel Elliott situation, but I do because he's not going to go that highly in the draft. But Brees Hall, even if he goes round two, I think there's a lot of safety there. He's top 1% of the UTH model. They're projecting from college to pro. He really doesn't have any glaring weakness, especially with his quality workout. So the only thing we're missing is, does he go high in round two in the 40s? I don't think he gets past 35 to 40, uh, to be fair. I think he could slip into round one, but that's relatively immaterial. It's within this class. And I think he's the one of all the running backs, uh, and especially with quarterbacks here in Superflex, I have the least worry about Brees Hall. Sounds good. And I want to remind the listeners that the strength of most rookie classes, if it's going to be considered a strong class, would be the running backs and the quarterbacks. There are two running backs in this class, and then there's a bunch of depth, which is decent, and it, they may pan out, but as far as guys that could end up being a bell cow in the NFL, Brees Hall is like it. And Kenneth Walker's right there. I'm not going to take Kenneth Walker with this pick, mainly because um, I'm playing the role of non-UTH 
I've, I've been in more than a dozen mock drafts and I've been in two, two to three already pre NFL rookie drafts. So based you're gonna, on that, you're going to be Mel Kuyper, like, cause if you hear Mel Kuyper talk, he says, I'm trying to show you what I'm hearing from the NFL. So you're trying to show right. me, show us what, you know, what you've seen, what, the buzz on what the you have observed. Is. Yeah. Right. Scuttle. Exactly. And so as far as my own personal observations, this is a weak running back class and it's a weak quarterback. It's the weakest quarterback class that we've had since either 2015 or 2013. And um, I am going to take Malik Willis here because that is who is mocked at this spot in most of the rookie drafts and also a couple of true pre-NFL rookie drafts that I've participated in. He's got the highest upside. He's still mocked as a round one NFL draft pick, although probably top 10, not one overall. And that's a crapshoot. And he has a lot of athleticism. He's got escapability. He's, he's an athlete. I just, I saw him at the senior bowl, not the most consistent passer, but look at Jalen hurts, but Jalen hurts price tag was not the one Oh two. So just, a caveat on that. I am going to take him because that's who is mocked here, but I don't know that I would necessarily take him here. Yeah. And, and he's a type that you mentioned Jalen hurts the fantasy, the divide between what does he do when he's in your lineup versus maybe having two, three, four year second contract job security. Those are two separate things. And I do think it's competitive. Will Wilson, uh, will Willis or Pickett be the, the quarterback one off the board? Is there a wild card? I mean, th- so there is more uncertainty than a lot of these other previous classes where we have a good gauge of eh, five overall, six overall, two, 11, 16. You shouldn't be surprised really by any of these things uh, with those quarterbacks. And, and you mentioned it. Um, I'll take the the low-hanging fruit of, of Kenneth Walker. And it's not that I, you know, I, I've written articles that you know, I have some concerns. I have some concerns about Walker, but I, I think he's bound to be a round two pick. Uh, when you say that running back drops off, I think that's an understatement, especially with questions going into the NFL draft. So Kenneth Walker, uh, the workout, the good enough size at 210 or so pounds. And I got a little quibbles about the receiving department, but in terms of coming out, uh, having some really good tape in 2021 and certainly finishing on a high note there after a transfer, uh, Kenneth Walker is one that, and and a, a shout out to Debbie Leagues because he's one that could absolutely be out there, even if it's moderate moderate or more uh, Devi depletion, he is one uh, like some of these other players that could have made it through. And now he's part of that rookie class, if you will, or the depletion that made it through that uh, really does highlight how you can still find first rounders or even high first rounders in rookie drafts that are whole, uh, even in the Devi circuit. Good pick. And I'm, again, I like wide receivers, wide receivers. I will get them in my startup draft and then I'll get my running backs organically, but this class does have some good wide receivers at the top. The problem is there's four or five of them at the top. They're all boom bust type profiles. So I'm going to go with the guy I know, Traylon Burks, Arkansas. I think he's a hardworking guy. I think even though he wasn't utilized with the best route running in college, that was more on the coaches than him. And I think he can adapt. He's got the size. He's a lot of people are knocking his, straight line NFL combine speed. He's got football speed. The dude is an athlete. And of all the guys, I think he could be an alpha in the NFL. And I'm willing to bet 
on him over some of the other wide receivers. Plus, he is more the consensus wide receiver one than anybody else on the list. Yeah, uh, Traylon Burks, big time upside for sure. And man, just think if he is one that is projected now to go in the the later part of the first round, that's where a lot of the good landing spots are. So it'll be very interesting to see if we finally get a perfect storm of player, big upside profile, and then landing with that big time quarterback potentially in the 20s somewhere. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Uh, We're at 105, Drake London. Um, He weighed in at 219, which I think was a a nice boost. He was about 210 list um, at a full six foot five. And I see what works in the NFL. I've seen a guy that's lined up in the slot. I've seen someone that can win down the field. There's been a lot of talk about he catches too many contested balls. Well, contested is contested at any level. It's dealing with contact. It's concentration at the catch point. And so Drake London, I really do see in a lot of ways, a baby Mike Evans, you know, in many ways. And I think he's going to have big time pedigree too. Now it might not be going to a good spot. We've seen Atlanta. We've seen some of these, you know, in the seven overall to maybe about the 14 or 15 as maybe wide receiver one, wide receiver two off the board. So uh, I agree with you, Katie, that it's it's pretty packed and you probably take the arbitrage at wide receiver. If you have one pick between like 103 and 108, it's like, well, let me just take the last guy, you know, the last guy of this big bucket. Um, and I agree with that. So so being here, I think you were, you know, you know, taking Traylon Burks uh, high up within this tier makes a lot of sense for upside. Drake London, I just don't have a lot of concerns about his downside uh, of being a bust factor because he produced so early and he's got rare traits, rare size, um, and someone that can win at the catch point, can do things after the catch. And and again, he just has a a profile that if you say, I can win in the slot, I can win outside, and you're going to put him with a quarterback that's probably better than, uh, you know, within the next year or two, better than what he had at USC. At the six, I'm going to take Garrett Wilson. He is right in there in the top three wide receivers. A lot of people have Garrett Wilson over Traylon Burks, over Drake London. And in mock drafts, it could be any of those three in any given order. So if you like that tier, the cheapest one would be the one that you get the latest. Um, I'll take the discount on Garrett Wilson. He didn't really break it. He kind of broke out a little bit as a sophomore at Ohio State. He's six foot, 188 pounds. He showed up better at the combine athletically than we had expected, but he averaged 15.5 yards per catch in his three-year career at Ohio State, 723 yards as a sophomore, 1,058 yards as a junior, and kind of like Alabama running backs, Ohio State wide receivers don't necessarily need a full early breakout three-year Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, all these guys. Yeah. Right. He's had better stats than some of the KJ Hill and uh, Paris Campbell and even McLaurin. So he's solid at six. Yeah. And he might be wide receiver one off the board. Uh, He had a big Debbie, right? He was drafted as freshman Debbie. If I recall, I mean, he he had that much cachet, which you don't get a lot of freshman wide receivers drafted that highly. Um, I'm going to go with a a one hit wonder and a guy that's earmarked for the first round. Uh, We saw him transfer from Ohio State to Alabama and take that depth chart. Uh, John Mechie, go sit over there. Um, And all those freshmen that were coming in at Alabama, go sit over there. It was Jamison Williams' show. And he's got rare speed. Um, He's another one likely to go in the first round, likely maybe in that 20 to 32 range. And if he lands with a big time quarterback, 
he could easily be in the top two, three, four picks, you know, and higher than this. And that's really the liquidity of a lot of these wide receivers. So I'm going to take Jamison Williams. Uh, you can't teach speed. I mean, he's a guy that if you put him with a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it could be absolutely explosive once healthy. Now, the one moniker, uh, you know, you have we have to do the reporting, which is he may not be ready to go for obviously rookie mini camps or training camp. It may be a, a midseason sort of arrival, but you're playing a longer term game and, and projecting for September is probably not the right path, especially for wide receiver. I love Jamison Williams. He's been going in the 201 to 203 range wow. in the mock drafts. And a lot of people expect him to have that slow start. A lot of dynasty owners are not patient. If you're not a patient owner, 107 is a little bit of a reach. You might be able to, if you're patient, get him in that 201 to 203 range. So I like the player and I like the pick. He's not going that high in most drafts pre-NFL landing spot slash draft capital. And I love the guy. I think, again, it's a great pick. I just think you could probably get him later. It depends on when your rookie draft is. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Chris Olave, Ohio State, another guy that people love in this community, 6'1", 189, Ohio State, four-year player. A lot of people were knocking him because he went back to school, 840 yards as a sophomore, 729 as a junior, and 936, all with an average of 15.4. I don't know that he's going to be a fantasy wide receiver one. I think he's going to be more of a compliment wherever he ends up going, but I do think he has potential round one NFL draft capital. Yeah. And, and I think in the later first round, especially in the early second round, if you can get round one wide receiver pedigree, it's generally a good historical decision. You know, we see and it's rare to get, say, a Darius Tony type situation where it might even be the mid second. Uh, that's that's truly rare. But even venturing to the later first of a class where we don't have a lot of running backs to take these spots. And I think that's going to be the interesting discussion over the next two plus rounds of this mock draft is just the uncertainty at running back of who's going to get day two versus day three. Um, I'm going to go with a wide receiver profile that, again, I'm, I'm not in the point of taking true wild cards. I, I want to take something where I have a better basis point of what's going to happen in the NFL. And for me, that's George Pickens. Uh, he's one that I think at the minimum, he goes in the early second round. He could be one of those, hey, if six wide receivers go, uh, five, six, seven, somewhere in that range in round one, Pickens absolutely could be one that gets late first pedigree. So George Pickens is one that we didn't know about the injury. He comes back. He works out well at the NFL combine. And that was my biggest thing. I was like, this guy could run four, six, five, you know, and, and sort of David Bell himself out of rookie draft hearts and maybe be a later day two selection. None of that occurred. He, he secured his profile. He go back to a couple of years and he was, his hands are maybe the strongest at the catch point in terms of my ball and having that aggressive mentality versus DBs and one-on-one -on -one situations in recent memory that I have seen uh, of wide receivers. So again, I think he has a high floor outcome here in a couple of weeks in the NFL draft. And you know, I like his profile a lot better than say Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson. And again, he may not get quite the same pedigree. They may get round one. He may get early round two. 
but I just have confidence in, in George Pickens and the outcome of A, the player, and B, being in the top 40 to 45. You went from Pickens, I'm going to go to Pickett. I call him the fence. And I don't like this quarterback class at all. But in a super flex, to get the value, to get the second quarterback off the board at the 10th, at, you know, 110, you got to do it. And he might be the the pick for Carolina, you know, well inside the top 10. He could be. His stats do not speak of somebody that's going to have longevity in the NFL. He had a average uh, adjusted yards per attempt at 7.5, which is really weak. You want someone more in the 11 to 10 range. His touchdowns to interception ratio in five years at Pitt, 81 to 32. That's not totally bad, but you know, he's more of the dink and dunk type player. He's got small hands. He is mocked in the first round of the NFL draft. So again, for draft capital and, and the scarcity of the position, I wouldn't blame anybody. And he, this is where he's going in mock drafts is right in that 10 to 12 zone. So that's where I'm going to take him. Yeah. And and I think that's fair. You know, like you said, if you get a round one quarterback, especially a guy right now projected in the top half of round one, you basically have to take it. You know, it's sort of the the Mac Jones principle of saying, regardless of what you kind of think about the player, the position uh, premium plus the, the limited capital you're actually playing there in the late first round, that combination makes a lot of sense, especially like you said, it's QB two of the class. It's not exactly QB four, five, six in some of these stronger ones. All right, this is where the this is really where the draft starts, Katie. Because uh, I feel like the low hanging fruit is relatively gone. Uh, now it's going to get fun. Um, I'm going to go with not the best. Like looking historically, this is not going to. This is not a great uh, value pick for the late first, in my opinion. But we don't have enough. I really do feel like we don't have. 12 to 15 round one level prospects like we had a year ago uh, for this format. I'm going to take Isaiah Spiller. Uh, The main reason is because he's a player that I still think gets into day two. Round three is not ideal. You'd love him to be round two, but I love the two-way production. I love the fact that he has a a prototypical frame that I I view him as a lead back uh, in the NFL. He's probably going to start out as an injury away. And the workout whole heard around the world, I still think he's an Alexander Madison type player that can be a lead back, can be an injury away guy. And I just don't think uh, he's one that's going to get beat down. And the, the one way I would feel bad about this is if he goes to uh, a day three landing. And, and I just think he may not be running back three off the NFL board, but I still think he's going to be in the top 100. And I still think he's going to be running back four, even if someone else jumps him in the order. I don't disagree with that, uh, and he is going there in mock drafts. So depending on the landing spot, it might keep him in that range. Um, I'm more about draft capital than actual landing spot for Dynasty. I think the cream rises to the top, but I don't hate the pick. I think it's a good value at this point, and it's crapshoot. Everybody has their what-ifs. I'm going to, at 12, take another quarterback that I think could be NFL round one material, and that's Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. He played four years there. He has had, talk about an up and down career, you know, total 
9.2 adjusted yards per attempt, which again, that's not great. 57 touchdowns to 23 INTs. Most of those INTs came as a sophomore in the 2020 season. And a lot of them came against Arkansas. I'm kind of glad and proud to announce that, but he does have the moxie to be a quarterback, I think in the NFL and in Superflex. At the 112, it's not a huge investment. You just won your championship the year before. You got a chance to take a shot at a high upside guy. He, he you know, he is decent in the in the scrambling. I don't like this class. I think I've said that before a time or two, but I would take a shot here. Yeah, I really think that later first and who drifts to the second round is going to be super interesting in the NFL draft. And that's going to define the quarterbacks in the rookie drafts, right? Because it, it, it really does uh, leave a bad taste if you draft a round two quarterback. The, the probabilities drop off like a lead balloon. We remember Derek Carr and a few of these examples, but they are few and far between. So uh, it really is. It's kind of like these running backs. If they get day two, you're going to feel pretty good about it. And if they get day three, you're not going to be feel so good. And the quarterbacks, I think, on a different plane work the same way with some of the ones still left on the board. Um, Before gonna, you make your pick, yeah. I just want to quickly run through. We had Brees yep. Hall, Malik Willis, Kenneth Walker, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, George Pickens, Kenny Pickett, Isaiah Spiller, and Matt Corral, round one in our rookie mock. In the Chad, books. you're yeah. on the clock at 201. 201, let's kick it off. It's like Thursday into Friday, except we're doing it in a matter of minutes. <laughs> uh, All right. I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with a five-star uh, recruit. I'm gonna go with someone that has been up and down. I mean, it almost feels like Marcus Lattimore in a, in a few ways, just, just with the number of twists and turns with the collegiate injuries. And Zamir White is one that few, you know, three, four years ago questioned if he was an NFL caliber player coming out of high school. And he's finally healthy. Thank goodness. Uh, so Marcus Lattimore is still absolutely a question mark coming into the NFL, but he did have a big time freshman season under his belt. Zamir White were just sort of seeing him get back to the form of him exiting high school. So five-star guy, I think he's trending in the right direction. He had a good workout. Uh, there's three or four other guys possibly in that mix for running back three, four, five, six off the NFL draft board. If Zamir White gets early or early day three, it's not ideal for like 201 or late first or anything like that. But what I will say is if he gets day two, um, I'm pretty excited about Zamir White, the profile, because you throw it out. Alabama, Georgia, these guys don't need the highest production profiles to say that they're going to be good NFL players. There's other ones in this class as examples of that, of intrigue. So Zamir White, 201, will kick off this round. Uh, just with, uh, again, a guy that three years ago could have been on the NFL round one track, could have been on the 101 rookie draft track uh, if things would work out well without multiple injuries. So can he stay healthy? Is he going to pass that medical for NFL teams to get into the top 100? That's the critical question two weeks from now. And I think that after the NFL draft, this will be kind of where Zamir White will go. But he's been going anywhere from 206 in live real drafts yeah, mid to late seconds. and mock drafts, 206 to the 304 range. That's a big range. So this is really early. And I know it's because Chad looks at the full metrics and everything. And I don't disagree with the pick. I'm just saying, as a UTH listener, if you've got a draft early, capitalize on the fact that he's not going for another eight to 14 picks. Well, well one thing might, 
Well, one thing we said about those wide receivers that possibly get round one pedigree of try to get the later ones, right? I mean, get, getting the same exactly. profile. And I really think these round three, round four, round five projections for the NFL drafted at running back are the same thing. You're going to get two or three of them deep into round three, probably. So it's just finding those values, like said, at a similar position with good profiles. And this next guy, I would not take him here as much as I love him. <laughs> Jahan Dotson, Penn State. I was so disappointed that he didn't go to the Senior Bowl. And I heard that he didn't go because he knew he was going to come in a little bit undersized. And then he didn't even do everything at the NFL Combine. But he was fairly productive in college. He had four years at Penn State. His last two years, he put up 2,000 yards in the 15.1 average per attempt as a wide receiver. I like him, but I would not want to take him. This is where he's being mocked right around the 202 in that early round two stage. But man, it's pricey for all the other wide receivers that are still available on the board and some of the other running backs that might be a little bit better bet. But this is where he's going. And so I'm going to take him here. Do you think this this price point, like you said, by the market is based on him, the assumption he's going round one, or do you think it's the assumption that he's going round two? I think it's on the assumption that it's late round one, early round two. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like so too. I, I mean, if he, if he does get Kansas city or green Bay, let's be fair. It, this could be up. higher. Yeah. I mean, right. he could be 105 to 108 or something, or who knows? I mean, I think it's a pretty unpredictable market for those landing spots. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, probably one more running back here, and then uh, we'll see where we venture on to. But uh, one of my favorites. And, and when I can, I can pay a round two price, to me, it's easy to kind of, quote unquote, get your guy uh, because uh, it's a lot less uh, investment. And I've been following this guy for, I think, five years, uh, You know, coming into Alabama, where his story is terrific. Uh, he, fu- he stuck around, hardworking guy, and tested well every spring in those Alabama... Alabama reports uh, of the spring workouts and Brian Robinson, God, he worked his way all the way up the depth chart. I mean, what a story. And I can't wait. I I really do think he's going to be a better pro than he was at Alabama. And frankly, some of these depth charts have less competition than the Alabama depth chart, depending on the year. So Brian Robinson, finally the starter this past year, he's on the older side. I don't really care. Uh, I put on the tape. uh, I actually did some mock draft and I was looking at my rankings and it was Brian Robinson versus somebody else. And I started popping on, uh, popping on the tape. And I was like, only one of these guys looks actually like a pro made ready running back uh, to start and see significant touches in the NFL. And the answer was Brian Robinson. So in round two, if I can get guys that look like that, he could get round three pedigree. I wouldn't be surprised if he's running back uh, three off the board at all. Um, so he's a guy that pedigree matters some, but I just I, I trust the player. I trust the profile. And I trust that he's going to maximize things in the NFL and he's ready to go. And I love Brian Robinson, but he has his ADP is more late round oh, two, yeah. early round three. Just so that listeners know that you, again, you could get another nice discount on him if you were patient and waited. I'm not saying that you need to wait every single time, but there are a lot of other players that are being mocked and taken before him. Sam Howell. I think he's a bargain at 204 people in the NFL, like Mel Kuyper and some of the others are potentially mocking him to Seattle. That would be a a pretty good uptick 
I think he would not go early round two. He would be more like mid to back half of round one. If that were the landing spot, if that were the case, if he went in round one, he's got some tools. He reminds me a little bit and don't get me wrong. This is not a knock, but kind of the Baker Mayfield profile where he's a hardworking, hard nosed type of guy. He can scramble. He's a good passer. We've watched him. He didn't have as many weapons this past year. And a lot of people thought that was a big drop off and they've soured on the guy. But in Superflex, if you can get a quarterback that becomes a starter in the NFL, even if it's two to three years with a pick of this value, you've hit on this pick. Yeah. Uh, biggest concern I have with Sam Howell is that he goes round two. And just right. it's historically a real bad, bad idea. And you'd like to pay less, you know, later second or a third round pick if that's the outcome. But he's a wild card for sure. I actually, of all the quarterbacks in the top five or six of the position, his is actually, you know, by the model, the best in terms of, but when you say it's reversed and on its head and he's going to have the lowest pedigree, if that's what happens, you can, I mean, that has to factor in. Quarterback is one where the tier breaks are strong and rough the farther you drop. So how is that wild card? You know, and I, I actually hope he goes high. Um, I, that, I know that would be a surprise. A lot of times there's not huge surprises at quarterback in terms of some guy that's supposed to be a day two pick becomes, you know, he's drafted 11 overall, you know, on the night of the draft. So we should be hearing things over the next couple of weeks if he truly is rising in that regard. I'm going to go with another quarterback. I'm going to clean up the loose ends here. I think are at 205. Desmond yep. Ritter, uh, one that I really do think is quote unquote rising. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's QB three off the board. I think there's a chance that who knows how this goes, but I, I think he could be a top 15, 20 pick. So uh, with that upside, he's mobile, he's athletic. And, and I think that the, the combination, you, you kind of said it about Sam Howell. I mean, if he gets round one pedigree and you're paying a mid-second, that's straight stealing for any quarterback. So regardless of the profile, it helps a guy like Howell. It helps a guy like Ritter if they're mobile. So I think there's some a little bit of Dask, Dak Prescott to Desmond Ritter's profile. I'm not saying he is, uh, but he's at, at, at worst, I think he's going early second. But I think he actually has a lot of buzz to go in the top 15, 20 picks as well. Yeah, he's definitely getting the buzz, and he would have been my pick if you hadn't taken him. Again, based on the ADP and what where he's been going, he's been going the back half of the first round, like right around the 112 to early round two. So very good value in the middle of the second round. I'm going to go back to wide receiver now and take Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. A lot of people love him. He wasn't just a one-hit wonder. He had a really good freshman season in the MAC conference, 802 yards, 15.7 average, and then had a slump in the COVID year 2020, came back with almost 1,300 yards in his repeat sophomore season. He was kind of redshirted a little bit. So a lot of people liken him to Stephon Diggs type style. And if that's the case, that this is a heck of a value right here. But this is where he's being mocked. And I don't hate the pick, but there's a lot of other guys that I probably would take over him. He's getting some buzz too, you know, being a top yeah. 45 maybe pick could sneak, could be one of those wide receiver five sixes that sneak into round one in some of those good landing spots. So he definitely is one of those. Um, there's upside from here in terms of how the NFL draft occurs for him. We are at, let's see, 19 overall, so 207. And I'm going to dive into a new position. 
everyone hold on to your hats. Mr. Trey McBride. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, pretty clear tight end one for me. Uh, his workout uh, for his pro day was definitely reassuring. I thought he might be in the four sevens. He worked out, I think it was mid four fives. So getting that athleticism score up when you have a low one, it means it, it, a lot of times points to maybe a low tight end one ceiling. I think you have to elevate that just a little bit with his workout, hyper productive. He was the Colorado State passing game. He had, I think there was actually one game where he had 99% of the passing game yardage uh, and market share there. Uh, so he is, he knows about attention uh, to be paid to him. So with the premium here, paying a back half second, uh, I think is a very palatable price point. I think the most interesting thing is where does Trey McBride go in two tight end formats where you maybe don't have enough, a lot of quarterbacks that infiltrate the top 10 or so? You know, How high does he go in what is considered not a great tight end class? But I think he, has, he probably goes in the top 50 or 55. Does he go in the top 40 or 45? Eh, that might be a stretch. So somewhere in round two, and I Hey, I wouldn't even be surprised the last four or five picks of round one if he squeaks in there, but certainly not a TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts type. Oh, watch out, top 10, top 15. That's not where he's headed. But I do think his profile is solid enough to say with premium scoring, absolutely consider him somewhere in round two. Yeah, I don't think it's a horrible pick. I just don't like this class at all in general as a tight end class. You're pushing guys up the ladder, not you personally, but people will be pushing him up just because of the scarcity and the fact that it's a premium position. Uh, so I don't hate the pick, but I don't love it either. I'm, I'm avoiding tight ends in this year's draft. They take a while to develop in the NFL, and I don't see anybody, not even Trey McBride, that is worthy of taking a shot on. I'm going to go with another guy that's got a lot of buzz right now, but I call him chicken legs is Rashad white uh, running back. He out out of Arizona state, he's got decent size at six to 210. But when I watched him at the senior bowl, two things I observed. Number one, for somebody that is known as a pass catching back, he fought the ball every time he was throwing the ball. It was either smack, 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 loud, like not soft hands at all, or he was fighting the ball to the point where he didn't catch it. And if that's his calling card, his little old chicken legs, I don't think he's going to be a three down bell cow type back, even with his decent size that he has. Uh, I don't think he's a rusher between the tackles kind of guy. And if all he is, is just a receiving back, I'm just, I'd rather have, there's a lot of other guys that I like a lot better and I'm only taking him because this is where his ADP is at. Yeah. You know, Rashad white was one of those guys that I referenced with Brian Robinson, where I said I was watching two, three running backs in a depleted draft and I couldn't take Rashad white over Brian Robinson. And I watched a couple of games and I said, I don't care what this guy looks like in terms of comps. I'm watching the tape right now. He does not look like a lead back in the NFL. I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him to be a higher volume back and run between the tackles, run physically. And like you said, uh, there's a little Fugazi element to how good of a receiver is he actually. And I know he came from, you know, there were times he almost played wide receiver, you know, in terms of Arizona State. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely one that looks better on paper than he looks, uh, you know, when you actually put, uh, put the tape on and say, who is he? 
like like he came out in the model like maybe a poor man's Matt Forte or a rich man's Charles Sims, and I I don't see either one of those things personally watching him. So yeah, skeptical there. But he still might get day two uh, or early day three pedigree. All right, I'm going to go and take one of my guys. Uh, I think there's a wide receiver, you know, this guy or this guy decision right here that could turn out the wrong way for me. But I'm going to take another Isaiah Spiller like player in the sense that no buzz, no buzz. Uh, this is a guy that uh, you know had the had a pro day, had a workout that is just not not uh, good for the position, and that's Mr. David Bell. Uh, he's been a big time Devi guy. He ran the four sixes, which is considered blasphemy. You better not. If you're a wide receiver, this guy, has, it, it, it almost reminds me a little of Jarvis Landry. So if he's so unathletic, how did he produce so much? Great question <laughs> because wide receiver, it's about traits. It's about skills. And we have plenty of guys in the NFL that are not burners that are some of the best wide receivers in the NFL. It helps to have athleticism. It helps to be uh, refined plus be able to burn. But uh, I, I really think David Bell, especially he, now he's projected round three instead of round two, but he's one of the elite profiles, not just of you know round two, round three, but of the entire position this year. So David Bell here at 21 overall, uh, I'm Ron Burgundy, uh, 209, I believe. So uh, yeah, so David Bell, I, there, there is a, a wide receiver still on the board that might get round one pedigree. And that's what would bite me in the butt right here. If you get day th- uh, round three of David Bell versus round one of somebody else, because I don't think Bell has any chance of that, but he's a player that I think you break the rule because his profile is so good. You break your rule of saying, eh, once you get outside of the top 50 or 60, you really shouldn't look at wide receivers much at all. I think David Bell is the exception to that. Yeah, the only, I mean, there's, I like David Bell as far as the overall production, but he did only average 12.7, more of a compiler than a real downfield type threat. I don't know how he will do in the NFL. I don't hate the price tag. I think that you're going to get him at a decent value. It should be later second and third round. Yeah. Right. The guy that's going to be a big riser. And I think that you know, this is around his ADP, anywhere in a super flex from the 204 to this, you know, 210 position is Christian Watson, wide receiver. He's everybody is, you know, ooing and awing about his athleticism. And that's all well and good. But seeing him live at the senior bowl, another guy that just fought the ball. And as a wide receiver, the first thing you want to do is catch the ball. And he's constantly, constantly fighting the ball. So yes, he has the athleticism and yes, he probably will get the draft pedigree. And if he falls to this far, he's going to be a value. I just see him as one of those kind of guys. He could move up to the early second. And I just think that's way too much to pay. So that's the caveat with him. Yeah, uh, perfectly valid there. And, and Watson, he's another one. Though. You see some projections in the late first, and he could be one of those big risers, Jahan Dotson style with a good landing spot. And I, I, I think that us making these last four, five, six picks just kind of show there's not quite as much good depth that you would maybe want to have some of those glaring target players in the second round. And yet we're talking about some of them of saying maybe they end up in the first round of rookie drafts depending on how things go. Um, I'm going to take Tyler Algier 
Uh, he's a prototypically sized back two-way producer, and he's not getting a lot of day two love, but early day three. And honestly, day three running backs are not a great selection, uh, but we're out. You know, we're, we're kind of out on day two possibilities, except for maybe one or two guys that I just have uh, problems with. I'll say I got, I got issues with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. So 211, this is my last pick in the second round. I wish this was more early third uh, for Tyler Algier. But again, I think it's a Jamal Williams type player in the sense that underrated and one that can be a two-way player uh, injury away back with upside from there in the NFL. The next guy I'm going to take at the 212 is Georgia Bulldog James Cook. And I think this is higher than where he should go, but this is his ADP where he's mocked and where he's being taken in real life drafts. Total yards as a rusher, four years at Georgia. 1,500 yards. He had 728 of those in his senior season. Pass and, that's Samir, and that's with Samir White being out giant swaths of time. Exactly. You got DeAndre Swift there. You've got uh, other guys that just took took the role a lot more by the, whole, by the horns. Receiving-wise, 730 total yards. So if you think that he's just going to be the change of pace back, he had 284 yards last year, 225 the year before. He's not an overly pass-catchy type of guy. And for being an undersized back, he's going to have more name cachet because of his brother, Dalvin. Do you think his name, if his name was James Thompson, where do you think people would talk about him? I don't think they would talk about him. Me either. I think if he went to any other school besides Georgia – and have the name James Thompson, he'd be just a guy. To be fair, it's not a bad philosophy to go. I'm interested in Georgia backs and, and Alabama backs. It's not right. a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's, but there's talk he might be running back two or three off the NFL board, and you might go you know, in the top 60. I mean, that's to me, well, that's look insanity. At, look at Sony Michelle, a Georgia back who was yeah. the pass-catching back who yeah. was taken way before he should have. Before Chubb, right? Was that the same class? What? Was that the same class as Chubb? Yes. And it was ahead of Chubb. Right. Yep. And so I think Zamir White is the far superior back in that backfield and in real life. But I think that James Cook is one of those guys that could be pushed up the board. I don't even like his value at 212. That's where he's being mocked. I'm actually surprised he's not going earlier to some well, degree. Like I'm surprised he's not like early to mid second, you know, in that 14, 16 kind of range, because we've talked about ambiguity and yet, you know, the, the marketplace, let's give them a little credit, right? They're not taking the bait. At least well, he's in a, a more palatable price. Zone. I have seen him at two, at two, six. Okay. So anywhere from that two, six to two twelve, it just depends on your league format and everything like that. So yep. he is more of a makeup pick. I could have taken him where I took Rashad White, and he's just as viable, I think, right. to the community. So the community likes him a lot better than we like him. And so that's a fade guy, in my opinion. All right. Let's get nuts, Katie. 301. Oh. <laughs> we, we are going all the way in this. So we got one more round, and uh, let's, let's and this, get into just it. Just to show you guys again, this is not the greatest class. It's, right. not that, it's not as stacked and deep as some people are saying. Right. 
Uh, well, again, it's not going to stack up this perfectly too. So there's going to be some right. wild things that happen draft draft. Good thing. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with Jerome Ford. Uh, so he transferred out of Alabama. He's a former Alabama back, but produced at Cincinnati. I think he's got good enough size and athleticism. He's another one in that round three, four, five kind of range by the NFL. I think again, in general, running backs uh, are the primary point when you look at flyers and guys that you're not going to have a two, three year window with these rookie spots in a majority of your dynasty depth. So at 301, I'll take Jerome Ford. And I'm going to go back to the quarterback position again because it's before the NFL draft. This is the position that could run up the board a lot faster, a lot higher. So if you're picking at uh, 302, Carson Strong, even though, again, don't like him. I nicknamed him Carson Week, but he doesn't have the rushing upside, but supposedly he has a strong arm and can get it done as a leader. We'll see. At, at this position, it's not a bad bet to at least take a shot. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Fantasy-wise, man, he is not a mobile guy, and that's going to be one of the big, you know, he's going to be a statue. And what value does that have? I do, I do wonder. I think his floor is pretty low from draft position. Now, again, he's another one that who knows what happens in that late, late first round if someone trades in to get a fifth-year option. And what if Sam Howell's gone? I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks generally go up. They usually don't go down. They generally go up. All right, so we are at... Uh, 303. And man, there's wide receivers. I just mentioned running backs. Um, I'm going to take one of my guys uh, just because I know he could probably fade to much later in the third round, but I'll take Kevin Harris. He's got almost no buzz. Uh, he's prototypically sized. We didn't get a 40 out of him, but we got some other workout numbers that were good. Uh, if you take out 2021, where he had a couple of different injuries that got him off the, the radar pretty much exclusively, uh, the year before that, uh, pretty Devi valued and a guy that right now it seems like about round five might be his earliest NFL draft position just because the fact that he's flying so far under the radar. Yeah, I've seen him anywhere from the 312 to uh, going Undrafted. through four full rounds and not even drafted. Um, I've waited. I have personally not taken him on purpose in mock drafts because I want to see where the community rates him. They do not rate him very high. Nope. In fact, the guy that I'm going to take right now at 28 overall, people love him because of his Debbie prowess, but his combine, his athleticism has showed up. He's undersized, 5'9", 195. Kyron Williams, I never liked him anyway, but then the combine just nailed the door shut. Uh, you know, he was he had two 1,000-yard seasons at Notre Dame and then added on another uh, 600 yards total in two years in receiving. So people look at that production, which is not bad. It's very good. But undersized back that can't move, you can't sell them to me. I won't buy. But this is where he's his ADP is anywhere from mid-second to right about here, mid-third. Oh, Katie, this is uh, <laughs> we're getting. I know there. it's getting it's getting no, really it, Well, and, and here's the problem: is that the variance on some of these players is they might be round two picks uh, in rookie drafts, and they could go all the way, like you said, undrafted through four rounds. If things go sideways on them in terms of maybe they're undrafted, you know, maybe they fall like some of these wide receivers, if they fall the round to day three, that's a train wreck. These are train wreck picks if you make those. Um, and I really don't think these wide receivers 
there's big time upside because the profiles just do not indicate as such. Um, man. And like you said, tight end, it's just really a struggle in this zone. I'm going to go, uh, let's see. I, I am going to go with, with one more running back and Katie's going to cue the music, uh, that, that he probably never got drafted in some of these rookie drafts, but I'm going to go with Tyrion Davis price. Uh, he's a guy that played at the list was like 225, and he weighs in at uh, 211 or something, but he worked out. He ran in the four fours uh, with that. I think the comps are decent. He's a guy that I can see being a, a bigger back that can move, that can catch at the NFL level. Um, but again, just like some of these other guys like Jerome Ford or uh, Kevin Harris, I just think midday three is probably where they're going to live. But I do like the profile within that. And mainly it's, I cannot validate taking some of these wide receivers that I don't view as great profiles that are probably not even going in the second round. So you're talking about round three, round four wide receivers that I'm, I just know I'm not going to have patience with that roster spot. So unless they flash really early, I'm kind of out and it's a wasted pick. Well, you're absolutely right. The Debbie community and the Twitter community is not even close to on TDP. Uh, they're, Closer to Kevin Harris, but not by a very long shot. He's been undrafted in every single one <laughs> yep. of my four-round rookie mocks that That's are Christ. super flex. Um, but that doesn't mean that that it's wrong. I, I like the bet for a guy like him that can move the way he does at the size that he is. I'm going to go with Justin Ross at 30 overall. He's anywhere, again, this speaks to the Wild West of – pre-NFL draft, but anywhere from mid-second to mid-third, Clemson wide receiver, big man, six foot four, 205 pounds. He rushed, or uh, sorry, 1,000 yards as a freshman wide receiver, 865 as a sophomore. Then he got hurt and really was still on the comeback trail, 500 yards this season at Clemson, but it was a down year, DJ Uyunglele, did not look all that great himself. It was a combination of the wide receiver core and the quarterback. But Justin Ross is someone that a lot of people, because of Debbie, just can't get up, give up on. And depending on draft capital, this may or may not be a completely wasted pick. But I like the guy, and I would, you know, potentially take him in this range, depending on who else was available. That was 306, right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, it's all right. I, I was just bookkeeping. Um, all right. So I got uh, three picks left, I believe. All right. I'm going to take a big uh, big name, at least a bigger name than almost everything that's left on the board. So John Mechie is coming off of injury with a, with a torn ACL. Uh, Greg Cosell really likes him. There's two or three wide receivers left that, that he has buzzed about um, in some of the... He, he's basically the, the film resource if I, if I consult. Uh, he is that resource for me. And Greg Cosell really likes John Mechie. Um, the, the model, despite not being overly productive for a long duration, we've said at Alabama, sometimes you got you to gotta take your lumps you know, before you actually get to be that feature option. And he was dinged up this year. Jamison Williams took off. And we know how the rest of that story ended with Mechie. Um, but he was maybe on a round one track uh, before that injury and before this season got away from him. 
but pretty good comps overall. And I do think he gets into day two. So he has a bigger name that he certainly could be one that you end up with, with more than 307, you know, value wise on your hands in relatively short order. If he does much of anything and comes back from, from injury. So I, I, I think he has a profile and a name cachet that could be someone that you end up flipping and profiting from. The next guy I'm going to take, not overly productive, but he did play in the SEC for Florida. He is a big dude, and he did play at the Senior Bowl. We look, he looks like a freaking bowling ball. Uh, Damian Pierce out of Florida. He's getting quite a lot of buzz, quite a lot of love from mock drafters and real life. A total of 1,800 yards for four years at Florida, averaging 5.5 yards per carry, 23 touchdowns. I mean, just not great, not bad, but for running back of his size and movement, it's a decent bet late in the third. Yep. Uh, I'm going to chase some, some possible early draft position. He's getting plenty of buzz. The, the main thing I like about, uh, about the, the wide receiver I'm going to bring up is he has a very similar profile to Christian Watson and Christian Watson went, uh, your bookkeeping, Katie, he went mid second here yes. by yep. you, you drafting as the 86 overall. Place. Oh, so early third, early third, excuse me. Um, yeah. And usually I, I think, you know, he might go, I have maybe mid second in terms of ADP. So, uh, but the point is arbitrage arbitrage is the watchword here with Alec Pierce. So he's another one that, uh, Greg Cosell really likes Uh boom bus profile. I acknowledge that, but what does that mean? You better have the elite elite athleticism and Pierce certainly has that. I think day two is within his sights. Maybe he goes even higher than people project. And he was pretty good this past year. So while the the, the breakout uh, scores are not really there for what you would want, he still is one that produced this past year and, and, and is rising going into the draft process. And he's one that just crushed workouts. So when you talk about guys that you know could be on that, uh, just kind of learning the game still, I think he's going to get enough pedigree to have enough leash here. And uh, 307, uh, again, I think it's a palatable price point when you consider, let me just take big time profiles in case they work out. I think that was a 308. 308? I'm on no, wait a minute. No, it couldn't have been. 309? 10, 11, 12. He, yeah, 309. 309. Look at 309. us. This is All why right. we go two rounds, Katie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at uh, 310, I'm going to take running back Tyler Beatty out of Missouri. He's a short, not huge guy, but his BMI is decent. And he had 1,600 rushing yards, 330 passing yards, both at a 6.0 clip. And overall, uh, almost 4,000 total yards from scrimmage in his four-year career in the SEC at Missouri. Every time I looked up at the Senior Bowl, he was catching my eye as far as he was doing everything right. He wasn't flashy, but every time I looked, he was technically correct. And I like that. And for a guy that th- that's this late, I'll take it. Yeah, I think he's going to go higher than people think in the NFL draft, maybe early day three. And he's got that receiving centric kind of Kenny Gainwell type of profile. So don't be surprised is the main thing there on Saturday of NFL draft. All right. So last pick for me, 311. And 
boy, I'm going to corner the market on uh, on tight ends in this draft because 311, um, I, there are profiles I like. So we're getting to the point, especially if we went to round four, I'd probably draft one or two more. I'm going to draft Charlie Kohler. Uh, he's been one that's, you know, two tight ends. If you've been drafting deeper Debbie, he's certainly been one that's been drafted. I think he has a pretty similar profile to Hunter Long and Charlie Kohler, uh, strong producer. I, I think he's got a big frame and I think he's trending the right way to be a day two pick. So Yes, you have to have this. Can't be a twenty-four man roster uh, to make this type of pick. And frankly, you probably should be trading a lot of these later picks for injury waybacks or trading a you know three eleven for a future third. Doing things like that because just making the pick and especially making it on a non-running back is not optimal. But again, in this exercise, I'm going to suddenly have a thirty-five man roster here for this draft and uh, be perfectly happy to stash Charlie Kohler and tight end premium here at three eleven. Yeah, uh, that was a little bit of a surprise, but uh, now it just leaves me with who's going to be Mr. Relevant. What's that? Mr. Super Relevant. Mr. Super Irrelevant. Man, there's a lot of different cases that could be made. Take a small school quarterback, I dare (laughs) you. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Pierre Strong, running back, uh, small school running back. And, um, he's, he's basically been going anywhere in the 305 to 401 range in the drafts that I've been in, uh, South Dakota state, fairly productive had, you know, like 5,000 yards total in four years, averaging like seven yards per carry. Worked out well too. Yes. Yeah, he's de- he's definitely got that uh, small schooler that you always kind of hold your breath. How are they going to work out? And and he had uh, quality drills. So for a guy that, like you said, I mean, he's got some some traits that are going to be appealing for the NFL. You take your he shot. He was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. There you go, boy. Always uh, three degrees of separation. Yeah. <laughs> You're never too far from a Razorback. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, so there we go. And usually with two rounds, we say, oh, who did we miss? Uh, but for three rounds, we gave you 12 extra picks. So there, that's who we would have missed <laughs> overall uh, through those those two rounds. And like you said, Katie, uh, highlighting uh, going through seven or eight previous draft classes and now getting all the way to 2022. And you can hear it through this discussion, how it varies, how it differs from previous years where we were discussing, especially the last two, three, uh, which, which turned out very well in the early goings of those years. Uh, so 2022, uh, this should give you an example pre-draft a couple of weeks before things will change, but uh, a lot of data points for uh, how things sit with the market. What are they thinking? Uh, as well as some of my picks that, uh, again, kind of go differing from that. And you can kind of hear how those, uh, how those change with uh, the market versus uh, the UTH big board. I think that you can get some good values in this year's class but I would not want to have like a top six pick unless you have the 101. If you got the 101 and you can get Brees Hall, then I think you're golden. But there's so many guys and it's so boom bust. You you might could get the same value with the 204 as you could the 104 in this year's class. And so I've traded a lot of my 2022 picks, trade them when they're on the clock. There's going to be some buzz. There's going to be some owners that want to get a guy 
more than you want to get your guy. And that's a perfect time to trade into 2023, which if you don't mind me breaking, store next week, breaking the news, we got the surprise for next week. We're going to do a 2023 mock draft, similar format, exact same format, but I want you to be able to see how much better next year's class looks from a Debbie perspective and from, I think from a real life perspective, I've been looking at this class for a long time, the 2022 class, and it has not been great even right from the beginning. Zamir White was the number one running back in Debbie when he was a freshman over Brees Hall, over Isaiah Spiller. But all three of those guys throughout their Debbie career have been pretty plugged into that one, two, three running back spot. And now there's a huge separation because of their workout at the NFL Combine. It's going to separate even more after the NFL draft. But the 2023 class, we've been looking at them for the last couple of years as a very exciting running back heavy, quarterback heavy class. And I can't wait. Absolutely. Yeah. And this will be the first time we we really do those mock drafts for 2023. So it's always a good exercise and data point for us as well, looking ahead with our with our Debbie caps on. So that'll be a really a nice, a nice preview. I know a lot of times they do that on the big box sites. They'll do a, a first round mock or rankings or something, but it's usually a week after the NFL draft as the look ahead. Well, we'll do it even before the uh the NFL draft for this season. It's also going to help you value your 2023 picks. And if you've got somebody that wants to give you a 2023 first for one of your picks for this year while you're on the clock, it'll give you a better idea of, yes, I want to pull that trigger or no, I, I would rather have the guy that's available to me now. Yep. Uh, reminder, uh, if you like what uh, all the all the good stuff Katie is cooking on this show, you can follow her on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399. You can uh, ask questions and have a dialogue with her on Twitter between episodes there. I'm on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL. I want to remind you, this is probably the best two, three week span. If you want to try out uh, patreon.com slash UTH, the Draft guide for UTH is out. The pre-draft version, uh, Katie helps put together. That is uh, available, and you get a free copy of that if you sign up as a an all pro patron. You get other free free features like a VIP chat inclusion. You get uh, content like the weekly show with Tim Torch, a VIP strategy session, which we're, we're going to have a live one this week. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, I think it's going to be Tuesday night this week. So a live session with myself. We talk Dynasty and uh, Dynasty strategy. I'm sure we'll talk about the NFL draft and rookie draft strategy coming into this draft cycle. And again, you get all that for basically a discount on the, the the rookie draft guide in and of itself. So it really is the best deal running there. But again, things like listening to Katie Flower here on the weekly show and all the, the premium podcasts over at uthdynasty.com can't recommend it enough. If you like what you hear, uh, you can rate us, review us, but but really supporting with a with a subscription and a sign up that goes beyond the weekly show is really the best way to support and give back for projects and for uh, research and, and making this as it is, I mean, the thing that, that really drives me and, and gives me passion uh, to work harder and strive to improve every single day of every single year to become a better analyst. All right, that's going to do it. I am Chad Parsons. She is Katie Flower. And until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those values. 
Like you're saying this guy was the third rated guy in the month of October and crap like that. And it's like, what are you saying? What does that mean? He, he has a 94 grade versus zone coverage. Getting open versus zone. Wow, what a genius. I could get open versus zone in coverage. In college. <laughs> I, I could get open versus zone coverage. <laughs> All I have to do is wait till I'm not by a guy and then stop. Right? <laughs> it was yeah. a mind-numbing thing. Because all I have to do is watch him, and when he clears the first the first defender, he's instantly open. <laughs> like, what, like, are we grading it at the end of the play, the beginning of the play? Like, I'm very confused.